The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's get to our guest. Daniel Lam is head of equity strategy at Standard Chartered Wealth Management, joining us from our Hong Kong studio. So a lot to talk about in where opportunities are for uh, investors in Asia. But let's start with the Fed, where they are expected to raise rates by 75 basis points this week. Is that priced in? And how do you, I guess, kind of hedge the Fed here? Yeah, 75 bips is certainly been priced in by the market. And at this moment in time, if you look at the US 10-year yield, it it is at 3.5%. And at this moment, it seems that it is at a, you know, at a resistance level. Okay, so 3.5, you know, could be overshooting to, to 3.7. Uh, but it seems to be likely to be anchoring around these levels. So, you know, two ideas that we have for our investors. So one of them is DMIG corporate bonds because they're yielding more than five percent. And if you look at how much they've been yielding over the last you know, seven to eight years, been like two and a half percent. So this is very attractive yield. You do need some defensive exposure. Um, you do need to have some income carry um, to be able to combat markets like these. The other idea is high dividend equities globally. Uh, because if you look at times when U.S. CPI is above 3%, uh, global high dividend equities outperformed global equities by about 6%. They actually had an absolute return of about uh, 4% positive versus global equities down 2% in those periods. When do you expect that we could see a Fed pivot and what will perform well in such an outcome? Well, given the latest CPI Print that Fed pivot has been pushed, I guess, pushed back um, into the future. So we probably need to see a couple of more you know, prints that are below expectations for this pivot narrative to return. Um, if that is the case, um, that the higher growth stocks would probably do very well uh, in those environments because you'll be expecting that uh, the yields would be coming off. And that would help the valuation of those uh, growth stocks. All right, let's talk about Asia now. We did have that hot inflation read from Japan. Is it hot enough to move the dial, though, when it comes to the Bank of Japan? Probably not. I think <laughs> Japan, has, Japan really has a chronic um, disinflation issue. So they probably need to see a few prints like this um, before that Bank BOJ consider you know, possibly scaling back on the ultra-loose policy. So the dollar-yen is probably here to stay around these levels. 
And we saw such big moves in dollar-yen and JGB futures last week as well. The 3.5% Treasury rate as well, how much does that kind of potentially have an impact on the BOJ decision when we're looking at this yield differential? Well, I think at this moment in time, the Japan economy do need such weakness in the yen, okay? because it does help the exporters. They are trying to boost up their, te- uh, their tourism again. So, you know, of course, I think they would let the yen stay around these levels. I think unless they go above 150, they wouldn't be doing anything concrete. A lot of this, as we know, with what's happening in dollar-yen is happening in EM currencies because of the strength of the dollar as well. We mentioned earlier we're waiting to see what the PBOC fix is today. How much of a guess is a stress that we could see 7.25 now? 7.25, I think that's certainly a uh, possibility because you do have you know, the property issues looming at the Chinese economy. And there are still a few weeks before the before the Congress at the end of mm. October. So until then, I think, you know, big policies to stimulate the economy is probably unlikely. Talking about the China Party Congress there, which is drawing closer, and we have seen Beijing step up efforts to ensure economic and market stability. But as Bloomberg News reports, one prominent player, the stock market's national team, has been missing. When do you think we could see some uh, intervention there? And how much does the attractiveness of investing in China change after the Party Congress? Well, I think the issues need to be addressed further, um, i.e. in the property market, right, for example. So we've seen measures such as you know, lowering of down payment, easing for non-locals to be buying um, properties in different cities, etc. right? But the root cause of all these, I think, is probably needs to be addressed is the um, uh, zero COVID policy. Okay, because that's been causing much disruption in the economies. And the reason why we have that policy is because of the, um, I guess, it's the healthcare system, right? The Chinese authorities need to be um, sure that there are enough people vaccinated before considering any uh, steps contrary to that policy. So that needs mm-hmm. to be stepped up. And if that is solved, uh, the economy gradually normalizes then we will see easing pressure across you know, all the sectors. Is Until then, sp- we're, I think we're solving, we're solving the symptoms rather than mm-hmm. solving the, um, the root causes. Yeah, it's a bit of a Band-Aid uh, effect, if you will. But is there particular sectors that you think could be uh, potentially affected here? I mean, regardless of what happens with the COVID-0 policy, you've still got the property crisis that you alluded to earlier. Yes, so in terms of um, sectors... Um, of course, right now, the growth sectors are all hit because of the high yield across the entire world. Um, so if inflation globally comes off, the yields come off, then those sectors, I think, are, are prime for a strong rebound. So that's right. the sector that one should be, one should be watching out for. All right, the strong rebound there. Let's talk more broadly about what we're seeing across the Asia-Pacific. It is a separate uh, economy when you look at what's happening in the likes of Hong Kong, Taiwan, China, with a dynamic zero or COVID zero, however you want to put it. But the rest of Asia is very much coming back to life. You mentioned the potential tourism return to Japan too. Where do you see opportunity? Is it in Southeast Asia? Southeast Asia or India? India is looking pretty good because the... um, 
if you look at the data uh, coming out from India, retail sales actually booming, um, contrary to what we saw in China. And you do see that in terms of the property market is actually doing very well and supporting consumption as well. Everything loops loops together. If you have a good property market, consumption is there, and then everything just goes in a in a positive cycle. So India is looking pretty good to me. We've been looking as well at green ESG investments, but the impact of the energy crisis, some saying could potentially affect this. How closely are you looking at, at that? And not only how much of it's uh, turning into a recessionary fear for Europe, but how it can affect investors as well when it comes to looking at ESG. Energy crisis in Europe, I think the energy cap um, should be able to alleviate some of the pressure on the European consumers. Um, Euro itself is actually at a very good uh, support level at this moment in time. So any potential turn in the U.S. inflation situations, i.e. any alleviation of the inflation, could be sending Euro dollar higher. So Europe is, its situation is not great, but um, a lot of that has been priced in. Um, In terms of, sorry. No, you go on, continue. Yep. Uh, In terms of ESG, um, again, a lot of these ESG names, they are looking at the future, right? So the valuation is you know, at a relatively high level versus um, many other um, sectors or stocks. So again, it's really the yield that um, needs to come down before they can, they can rally. So it's really a macro scenario here. All right, but you do say you're cautious on energy stocks. Daniel, we thank you for your time. Daniel Lam is head of equity strategy at Standard Chartered Wealth Management. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.